It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, we've got me alone for the first segment again, and we'll have Joe coming in with the second two segments, same as yesterday, this time talking about some of the excitement that he feels for the 0-7 start, what a reset means organizationally, and what he's looking for in the next quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm not ready to talk about next season yet, so we're going to talk about what Zach Taylor said today in his press conference. I'm going to take a little bit of a look into the future with a peek at the odds for drafting number one overall, and then we're going to look at PFF grades because there are some surprising ones, and most notably surprising is Andy Dalton's grade from PFF, and just going to take a moment to put into context his overall performance and some of the positives that we're probably forgetting from his game not to excuse, by any means, his interceptions. We're going to get started today talking about Zach Taylor's comments in his press conference today after reviewing the game tape against Jacksonville. He started out by telling the media that the Bengals released defensive end Anthony Zettel after playing one game for the Bengals, which is an indication that A, Cordy Glenn's suspension is over, and they're going to see if he comes back to the team this week. He wasn't there today, but I don't know how many players were in the building today. I'd imagine that there was supposed to be some film review happening today, but nevertheless, Taylor said Glenn was not at Paul Brown Stadium today being Monday. Tuesday, the Bengals are off, so we'll find out Wednesday if Cordy Glenn has returned to the team. Outside of that, this is an indication that some of those defensive ends, being Carlos Dunlap, Carl Lawson, etc., might be closer to playing again, given that they released Zettel, but since they were able to sign Zettel without much of an issue, I'd imagine that they could bring him back if they need to without too much fuss if they can create a roster spot somewhere else. If you're curious about how Zettel played in his one game for the Bengals, well, PFF had him as their top-graded defensive end and top-graded player. Overall, he only had 30 snaps for the defense yesterday, but graded out very well in run defense tallied three total pressures. Second highest graded Bengal was actually Andrew Brown, who was credited with six quarterback pressures. He had four tackles, two stops to his name. So those are a couple of the bright spots for the Bengals yesterday. But Zettel no longer a Bengal, and I imagine, again, he will be available if the Bengals need to bring him back, pending a roster spot. They just didn't have a spot for him with Cordy Glenn coming off of the suspension list. We'll come back to PFF grades in just a minute to talk about Andy Dalton because that is a controversy that was stirred a little bit by Paul Daner from The Athletic today and Steve Palazzolo from 
PFF defending Dalton's grade. But before that, we're just going to quickly visit Football Outsiders to get an update on the Bengals' odds to win the number one overall pick. Now, right now in Tankathon, in the standings for the number one pick, the reverse standings, the Bengals are ahead of the Miami Dolphins because they haven't had their bye week yet, and the Dolphins have. Both teams are winless, of course. And with Miami losing to Washington last week, Washington has fallen a little bit behind in terms of the race for the top overall pick. So Cincinnati currently sitting at a 19% chance at winning the first overall pick well behind Miami, 71.1% chance. Cincinnati does have about a 90% chance to get a top five pick at this point, though. And these ratings, these rankings are informed by Football Outsiders DVOA, which is a weighted yards over average kind of metric that has been fairly predictive over the years. And it combines those projections and that rating system with the team's current record. So Cincinnati, of course, being 0-7 shapes out well to potentially not win a game this season. The Bengals' playoff chances, in case you're still holding on to hope in that regard, are down to 0.1%, according to Football Outsiders. They would essentially have to win out at this point to have a shot. So without further ado, the last topic of the lead story today is Andy Dalton's PFF grade. Paul Daner tweeted out today that the top-graded Bengal on offense this week was somehow Andy Dalton. Much to everyone's surprise, I think. And while it's easy to remember the interceptions at the end of the game, it is worth noting that Dalton did some other things that were pretty good throughout the game. Bengal receivers, mostly Tyler Boyd and Alex Erickson, were dinged for five drops. And some of those came on some of Dalton's very best throws of the game. You might remember a deep shot to Erickson on the left sideline that should have been caught for a big gainer. That was a dropped Tyler Boyd had a drop on the right side of the field in the intermediate area of the field. That was a pretty bad drop. Dalton also hit on the left side of the field on a third and long, a big pass to Tyler Boyd. That was a pretty good throw. And some of his best work came under pressure. Despite only completing four passes on 17 attempts under pressure, he had four more that were dropped under pressure. So that's not great. His adjusted completion percentage though under pressure, 50% which isn't too bad considering it's the under-pressure throws only. And then the other thing to think about with Dalton's grade is that he was really boosted by his rushing grade. He had some great scrambles. He took off for a first down, had that QB sneak uh, that went for a touchdown and a QB sneak out of his own end zone that went for five yards and another scramble to end up leading the team in rushing. So had a good day running the football really for the first time this season. Doesn't take away from the interceptions, had some really bad interceptions, was penalized heavily by PFF for those, although they didn't seem to think that lowly of his pick six on the little screenplay, attributing that mostly to the offensive line. So when you put it all together, some big time throws, some very bad picks, that works out to a slightly above average day, and that's where Dalton's grade landed. In just a second, Joe will join the podcast to tell you about being 0-7 and what he's looking for in the next Bengals quarterback. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. 
available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So here we sit, 0-7. But I got to tell you, this excites me. I know. We've talked about tanking and we've talked about the struggle of you know, do you do you want your team to lose? Especially like think of yesterday's game when the game was uh really close, end of like third quarter. And I kind of felt like okay, they could do this. They can win this. All they got to do is this, this, that, whatever the case may be. That yesterday's game was weird and that one capitalized, but then the interception started and I kind of felt relief. I actually felt like, "Oh, okay." Whew, this isn't so bad. 0-7 is not so bad, especially with the Jags being one of the teams that were beatable remaining on the schedule. There's a few more, and you could probably maybe only win three games total, you know, if you want a top pick, and I think that's where where I'm leaning now at this point. Since you're 0-7 anyways, you don't have a choice as a fan. The only positive is to look towards that top pick. That top pick means a lot. It's, it's huge. Think of the last three top picks they had, A.J. Green. How is 2011 through 2018, 2015, let's do the good years, different without A.J. Green? They're not nearly as good as they are. Go back before that, number one pick, last time they picked top five, Carson Palmer. How does that generation go? How does that era go without that that top pick? Two years before that, they had the top pick, and well, not they had a top five pick and took Justin Smith. Justin Smith is a borderline Hall of Famer, Definitely like Ring of Honor type guy. Another home run cornerstone pick. I argued with people on Twitter about that, that they didn't realize how good Justin Smith was for the Bengals, but he was fantastic. Just as good as he was for the 49ers, where he was all-pro, five-time Pro Bowler. Just, you know, playing outside of Cincinnati gives you some more exposure. Anyways, they've hit those ones. Sure, you can go back a little bit further, and you say, ah, Peter Warwick, Achilles Smith, Dan Wilkinson, yada, yada, Kajana Carter. Sure, the 90s were bad. But since, like, the new generation, maybe we can't count Justin Smith in there, but Carson Palmer and A.J. Green were hits. Their last two quarterback picks were hits, right? Andy Dalton, Carson Palmer. You draft either one of those guys again this year, you're happy. We're all happy. So, yeah, so as I'm watching that game, and I'm thinking, like, okay, 0-7. What are the ramifications of 0-7? And further, right, because... This doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon in terms of maybe they go like 2-14 and 14 this year. Looking at Joe Mixon on the sideline, pissed. I think he's depressed, obviously frustrated. He's standing off on the side by himself, not talking to anybody afterwards. Because he, I mean, one of their best players was had the chance of being the face of the franchise and being the cornerstone offensive player, and he's maybe impacted one game this year. One drive, the Cardinals' first drive, right, where he's gained 60 yards, that's it. After that, has he had an impact this year at all? Could any random running back off the street give you exactly what we've gotten out of Joe Mixon? This is not a shot at Joe Mixon. This is just saying that we're in no shape or form able to use Joe Mixon because of the current state of the of the team, which I think if you're like Mike Brown, if you're wondering if like Mike Brown's going to make changes, I think it's not being able to get the value of the players he paid Four, and I don't know if Mixon counts, second-round pick, but he kind of went out on a limb because not every team would have drafted Mixon. But some of the players that are getting paid that aren't being used, Giovanni Bernard, he got 49 yards rushing through seven weeks on 27 carries, 1.8 per carry. 
He's only got 16 catches. They're not using Giovanni Bernard. C.J. Uzama caught 43 balls last year. Nobody has in seven games now. Eight. You want to piss Mike Brown off? Fuck with his money. <laughs> Show him that he's not getting the value for what he's paid for, for who he's paid for. So when I look at this, and I and I think many fans go, well, will this change anything? Will them going 2-14 and 14 actually do anything? Yeah, I think it could. I, do, I definitely think it could. Does that mean I think Zach Taylor's getting fired? No, I don't. I think they'll give him a long leash. They just gave the longest leash in the world to the biggest underachiever in Marvin Lewis, but let's not talk about that right now. Uh, so point being is I expect Taylor to get two or three years, but I believe the coaching staff is going to get shaken up a little bit. I look directly at Jim Turner, and I know we have talked about him when he was hired and we hated it. A lot of us, the majority of Bengals fans, hated the hire because of his past and because he's never coached a good offensive line. First and foremost, right? Job number one, coach a good offensive line in a good running game. It, not happening. Definitely not happening here. They are on pace to have the worst rushing of attack of all time. Paul Denner Jr. of The Athletic diagrammed that pretty well. The worst of all time. Nobody projected that. Nobody predicted that. Even with a bad offensive line. This this offensive line is worse than last year, but last year's offensive line was a bottom five unit also. And Mixon led the league, led the AFC in rushing. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry last year. He's averaging three on the dot. In the last two weeks, he's barely averaging one. So when you think about that, and think about how poor of a running game they're designing, scheme-wise, it looks ugly. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're good at. They're trying to mix it up every time they add a new offensive lineman in there. The guys he's picked to to put in there have been horrible. The people retiring on them, all these coincidences that aren't aren't a product of Jim Turner, as as Zach Taylor will say, give me a break. He shouldn't make it back from London. If we would fire a coach, a defensive coordinator, or offensive coordinator, and the Bengals have in recent years, because of the poor offensive and defensive performances at this point, Ken Zampezi, Terrell Austin, then you fired Jim Turner before you get back from the UK. You let him go. There's no reason he should be on this team. You find an offensive line coach somewhere. They've got an assistant line coach. I'd rather take my chances there. They're not even running the Ram-style stuff anymore in terms of the run game. Where are the jet sweep actions? Have they handed it to a wide receiver more than... I mean, actually, Erickson had two this week. So I'll retract that. But they haven't run the action nearly as as much anymore. There's no misdirection going on. Sure, Mixon's rusty. He doesn't look like he's in sync at all. I'm getting worried that he's not trusting his offensive line at all anymore. There's a couple blocks when I'm watching film. And I'm like, okay, you've got something. And he bounces a different way. He doesn't trust him. Can't blame him. We've said this about quarterback. Once you don't trust your, your offensive line anymore, you start playing very, very weird. So not just shaking up the, the offensive staff, because I think the defensive staff is starting to round a little bit into shape. There's still some pieces that probably could be changed in the offseason, as there always are. But offensively, it's a joke right now. It's a, des- it's a disaster. Utter disaster. On every level. The passing game, horrible. You've got a veteran quarterback. You're getting the worst season of his career. That shouldn't happen. Tight ends completely misused and mismanaged. Running backs completely misused and mismanaged. 
you're not getting any value out of those positions. The running get the offensive line and running game has been, as we said, crazy. So I think about that, and I think about the prospects of drafting top five. These losses are are impactful. They're going to shape this roster. They're going to shape the next generation core. And listen, it's not just a quarterback talk right here. 92 out of, I did a poll of 5,000 people, 92% said they're ready for a quarterback. I'm with them. But a lot of people mentioned Chase Young of Ohio State. Sure, if Chase Young is supposed to be Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett, okay, that sounds great. We can't use that? Of course we could use that. What, are you crazy? Yeah. Yeah, a cornerstone defensive end for the next 10 years? Sounds amazing. Let's do that. But when you pick top five, the opportunity to draft draft the best or what you may figure is the best quarterback in the entire class and start a new 10-year window with him, well, that's that's appealing for many teams, and we see that's why they go for that position so high. So that's it's valuable. It's important. And it's exciting. To me, it is. The losses at this point are acceptable. I want to see progression. I want to see development. Of course, that's what I'm watching the film for. I'm not watching for the wins and losses. I'm not looking at the score. I want to see who's getting better, how the coaches are getting better. But, man, these losses are wins at this point. They are absolute wins. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So I was listening to Fran Duffy and Greg Cassell on Twitter. They've got a podcast. Fran's a, a guy I've worked with on a couple of projects. I met him at the Senior Bowl. Great guy. Follow him on Twitter. If not, they work. Fran works for the Eagles uh, in terms of their film review and media and stuff like that. But him, he and Cosell have a podcast, and they were talking quarterback prospects. Definitely give it a watch or listen. It's on YouTube also. I tweeted out or retweeted a link uh, Friday or Saturday. So go back and check for that if you haven't. We're on the 40-minute mark. They talk quarterbacks. But it got me thinking. And, like, this is one of the things, like, I, it affected me to the point where I'm like, yes, or I haven't thought of that, or yes, I've been trying to say this for a while. And it's one of those things where I'm sitting in my car driving and I'm talking to myself like, oh, yeah, what about this guy? Or how about that? So I, I figured I wanted to spend a segment to uh, get some thoughts out there on it. And I think it starts with they talk about what you need in today's NFL. Do you need a guy that can move a little bit? And I agree completely at quarterback. I said this on, on Sunday watching Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson play. And if you watch that, it's a completely different sport. They're playing on Mars. They're playing in the year 3,000 compared to what you're watching with the Bengals right now. As far as as the two teams, you can just say quarterback, and probably that point would remain. But these two are talking about uh, you need a guy that can move a little in the pocket. And you need a guy that can extend plays, create plays, off script, off schedule, if you will. They'll call it off schedule. I always call it off script, which means... You drop back, you got your read, he's not open, you may go to the second read or dump off or check down. Nothing's there, right? The defense got you. 
Can you create off script? Now, script's over. Can you make a play happen? Whether that's mentally, with your arm, or with your feet. Or a combination of both. Because I think like Mahomes and Russell Wilson, they used a little bit of both. Russell Wilson, he will run around, make a play, throw. You see, he sometimes he looks like he's about to scramble. And his, you see his head just cock. And I think he sees the receiver, sidearms it, makes a play. I think arm angle is a point of being off script also. Watching Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson where if a defender's in their face or you see the linemen are going up to bat your pass, they they bring their arm down. They'll throw it three-quarters or sidearm. Um, shortstops make good quarterbacks, in my opinion. They seem to have that. And then Kyler Murray did that. Pat Mahomes did that. And you may say, well, Joe, Tom Brady doesn't do any of those things. You're right, but find me a Tom Brady in this draft, and I'll say, let's go. <laughs> you know, you don't find those guys. They don't, they don't make him like that. Plus, he's part of the old guard. He's so good mentally. He is so accurate. His anticipation is top-notch. His IQ is off the charts, so he doesn't have to rarely ever get off script because he's rarely ever fooled. And I think that's one of the biggest differences. So this conversation went to, would Carson Palmer still be a top-five pick? If we want those traits, right? If we want the guy that can go off script. And they talked about how Palmer had an A-plus special arm talent. And he did. I don't know if some people remember that or if they don't remember 2003 through 2006-ish. Palmer was special in terms of arm. Uh, You know, knee injury, elbow injury really set a lot of that ability. But he regained some of it, was still a pro bowler at 36 years old. Um, Just was inducted in the Cardinals' ring of honor as a quarterback for them, so... Uh, He was special. But he couldn't go off script much. He didn't do those types of things. So I'm watching these quarterbacks this year and these prospects, and I I don't normally watch in October. This is early for me. So when I watch these guys, and and I'm looking for that, can this guy create plays when things aren't there? And they'll all run and try to make something happen, right? We see Andy Dalton try to do something. But he's lost a little bit of his nimbleness, his quickness. He uh, is more inclined to throw the ball away and live for the next down rather than try and create a play. He doesn't have the ability to make somebody miss and extend the play a little bit longer. Big Ben did this. Big Ben wasn't a huge scrambler, but he was so big and nimble. He created plays off script. Honestly, if you want to go back to like the, who's the first guy to do this start like 10 years ago and I will go back even further and say Steve Young and Brett Favre were really who I grew up watching that could really do this. But the game kind of changed. It became, okay, well, Tom Brady and them, Peyton Manning, so good pre-snap, post-snap, so good within the system that let's copy this. You look around the league, the average quarterback rating is an 89. 89. That means you're throwing at like 63% completion. You have a 2-to-1 ratio, touchdowns to interceptions. The average guy produces better than Ken Anderson's career of like an 80 or Carson Palmer's career of like an 84. The current today quarterback, run-of-the-mill guy, is good. They found a way to get the production there through rule changes, through really saying, okay, these short passes, these safe passes, let these guys run after the catch, these work. We don't have to chuck the ball downfield as much anymore. We can have a guy who doesn't turn it over. We can get a lot of production. We can have a good passing game. We keep it safe. Scheme guys open. 
And then all of a sudden the game changed over the last 15 years. 10 years. Definitely 5 years. We can see it slowly start to turn into, okay, if everybody is producing at a decent level, if everybody's producing at an 89-90 quarterback rating, then what separates those guys? What separates that average run-of-the-mill guy who's producing well from the, within the system to the guy that can be better than that? So unless you had Breeze or Brady, you're like, what? what about Aaron Rodgers, right? I think that's why everyone was so enamored with Rodgers for so long, because he created plays, he extended plays, his arm talent was sick. He's the best quarterback of this generation. Tom Brady's the greatest. But he doesn't have the talent Aaron Rodgers has. So when you look at it, and that started to shift there of, okay, what can you create outside of that? If you're not finely tuned mentally, if you're not Tom Brady, if you're not Drew Brees, how do you still become a fantastic quarterback that we can lean on? And it's you got to create plays off script. When the play isn't there, can you can you make something? Can you do something, even with your arm, that other guys can't do? So now we see these young crop of quarterbacks. And like last year, they all were willing to go off script and try and make plays. Drew Locke wasn't good at it. Will Greer was a mixed bag. But Daniel Jones would do it a lot. Kyler Murray would do it a lot. Uh, I think that's why Dwayne Haskins probably wasn't liked from a lot of people because he didn't ever have to go off script because his his scheme was so good. And when they, when he did... There were uh, poor results more than that for Haskins. So I'm watching these guys, and f- straight from the top, Tua is great off script. Great. He's just quick enough. He's just fast enough. Strong enough when he when he does scramble. He's hurt right now after running out of the pocket and scrambling. We'll have to see how that develops. But he lives in the intermediate and middle of the field. He doesn't have the arm to push it to the boundary, but he creates angles and advantages by being able to move. Justin Herbert, a lot like Carson Wentz in my opinion, and I've said this before on the podcast, where he's athletic enough to move and can do things and throw from different arm angles. And he's got the arm strength to threaten all levels of the field, but he's not always good at it. I feel like when I watch the film and watch all of his games, I'm going to come away and say, mixed bag when he has to go off script. And I wonder if uh, if Oregon is, is either holding him back or if he's holding them back. Joe Burrow. The system right now at LSU is so finely tuned and good. Extremely good. There are so many easy throws when you watch his, his film. And they're in the intermediate range. They're 8 to 14 yards. So it's not like distance-wise an easy throw, but the guy is wide open so many times. A lot of RPO reads. A lot of... Um, like high-low stuff or, or combo routes, that's going to leave one guy wide open. He went, he, did, he ran the same play twice in a row to a tight end in the left flat last week and went right down the field and got him in position to score because nobody's covering the tight end. It's just they ran a clear-out route who took the corner and safety with him, and the tight end's wide open. So how many throws are we going to be able to take from Burrow in a game and say these are NFL throws? And what I mean by that is when evaluating quarterbacks, say they throw it 50 times in a game. Are 40 of them run-of-the-mill every everyday type throws that everyone's going to make and everyone asks you to make? That's fine. We want them to make them, of course, but they, it doesn't separate them from the guy who's got the 89 quarterback rating, the average rating. It's the other 10 plays. Put the weight, put the stock on those 10 plays. Do they make something happen when they got to move off their original launch point, when they got to move within the pocket, when they got to buy time? And then Joe Burrow hits one, a deep 
touchdown over the middle where he steps left, steps up, almost runs, resets his feet, and lays it perfectly to the back of the end zone to a guy that he throws it to the open area. You could easily have thrown that in a coverage, I think. And Burrow did it. And I and I said, whoo, that's it. That's the play. That's the one that'll sell me. So I, I can't wait to watch him completely. And then there's guys like Jordan Love, Utah State, who's not having the year he had last year. Last year, when you watch him, he was a top 10 pick. Special arm talent. Special ability to create. I wonder where he's going to go or what he's going to do. And then Jacob Eason, Washington, who I think outplayed Herbert completely. He looks more like the Carson Palmer. His drop back game, his arm strength, complete cannon. But he will create at times. These guys all have that creation in them. It's just how often they do it and are forced to do it. Some guys are on great teams. They're never asked to do anything other than drop back and hit the open guy and keep going. Like Burrow, you only get it maybe four or five times a game. Whereas Herbert, you get it like ten times a game because the the receivers and offensive line aren't good. There's good parts of the O-line. Anyway. So when I'm watching, that's what I'm watching for. I'm watching for the off-script stuff. I'm, I'm watching for can he create plays. Can he be different than the guy who's got an 89 quarterback rating in the league? And there's that's the average. And that's my whole basis of it. If everybody's producing, then nobody's producing. And what becomes the good defining factor? What becomes the difference between those guys? And for me, it's creating when things aren't there. That'll do it for today's Lockdown Bengals podcast. Joe going a little solo again with you guys, talking in the third person. We'll see you tomorrow. Crossover Wednesday should be next with the Rams in London. And maybe the Rams should reveal some things, right? In terms of how do you defend your own offense? If you're going out there against yourself, you're running the same stuff in theory. How are the Rams going to defend the Bengals? How are the Bengals going to defend the Rams? I think that game is going to be very interesting to rewatch. Stick with us. We'll have more all week. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.